0: You're listening to Comedy Central. From New York City, the only city in America, it's the show that invented news. This is The Daily Show with your host...
1: show. I'm Cal Penn. It's my last night as guest host, and it's also the last daily show of the year, which means it's gift time. Uh, Everyone look under your seats. You got the person behind you a view of your butt crack. Merry Christmas. All right, we got a great show for you tonight. Let's get into the headlines. We'll kick Things off with the big news out of Washington, D.C., where House Republicans just ended this year's session with a very special Christmas gift for Joe Biden.
2: This morning, House Republicans are pushing ahead with an impeachment inquiry into President Biden, despite finding no evidence of wrongdoing in nearly a year of investigations. The inquiry is focused on allegations that the president abused his power to enrich his family and whether he made decisions while vice president to boost his son Hunter's businesses. During a heated floor debate, Democrats accuse Republicans of acting on behalf of twice impeached former President Donald Trump ahead of next year's election.
0: Welcome to the Donald Trump. Trump revenge show.
3: Even some Republicans openly admit they've seen no hard evidence.
4: I'm going to just follow the facts where they are and the facts haven't taken me to that point where I can say that the president's guilty of anything. With the presidential election
0: less than a year away, several Republicans seem to say the quiet part out loud.
3: What are you hoping to gain from an impeachment inquiry? All I can see is Donald J. Trump 2024 maybe.
1: This has been, I think, the most transparent uh, political uh, 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 congressional investigation since, since I've been in Congress. Man, God, oh, I hate when I slip up and say the thing I totally mean. Republicans have been searching for a year already and so far it seems like Biden's only crime is having a messed up son, which would be a terrible precedent to set. I don't want to see Tom Hanks go to jail. To be fair, we can't say for sure whether Biden ever did anything shady with his son's business dealings. Their story has changed over time. But we do know that Republicans don't actually give a shit about people profiting off the presidency because Donald Trump was the president. (laughs) He had so many schemes going on, running the country was basically his side hustle. (laughs) Republicans just want a headline that says Biden impeached. They don't care if it's legitimate. It's, it's like how I told the art department to make this magazine cover of me winning sexiest bitch of all time in the enormous penis quarterly. You don't even have to speculate about whether this is politically motivated because you literally have a GOP congressman just shouting out Trump 2024. This whole thing is such a piece of theater. I'm surprised Lauren Boebert's not in the crowd giving someone a hand. <laughs> It seems like impeachment is just something that's going to happen to, like, every president now, which is not at all how it's supposed to be. There should be an extremely high bar for impeachment. And that doesn't mean Hunter being extremely high at a bar. But let's move on, because I I don't want to give the impression that Congress is completely distracted by this impeachment stuff. In fact, the same day they were dealing with that, they still found time to tackle one of the biggest issues facing the country today. School kids are going to have another drink option in their cafeterias very soon. The House just passed the bill allowing schools to serve whole milk. Several regulations have limited what kind of milk
2: kids could have since 2012. The Whole Milk for Healthy Kids Act will give kids the options of whole or reduced and low-fat milks. The nutrients in whole milk,
1: like protein, calcium, and vitamin D, provide the fuel Santa needs to travel the whole globe in one night. If whole milk is a good option to fuel Santa's extraordinary Christmas Eve journey, then why isn't it an option for American schoolchildren
5: in their lunches?
1: Okay. I don't know if that's the best argument. How much energy does milk give you if Santa has to stop and drink more at every house? Santa doesn't need milk. He needs one of those Panera lemonades. Woo! Oh, I'm done with all the nice kids, and it's only 10.30. Screw it. Let's give the naughty kids gifts, too. I'm invincible! Now, this bill passed with bipartisan support, but it was a particular priority for Republicans, which makes sense. I mean, you can't look at this party and tell me you're surprised they're obsessed with milk. Are, are kids really out there demanding whole milk? They're school kids. They want Capri Suns or, at best, milk-flavored vapes. But I, I got to be honest, there, there is actually a good reason, like, not to expand milk options for kids. Milk is kind of disgusting. Like, is that weird, like, that we drink milk as a species? It's not your mom's milk. It's not even your friend's mom. It's like a completely different animal. Milk is so gross, except for chocolate milk. That's really yummy. And finally, it's that time of the year where everyone is headed to their office holiday parties. It's the big night where you get to see which one of your coworkers is married to an uggo. Usually a holiday party is a chance for everyone to have fun together, but for the Boston mayor's party, it was a VIPOCs event only.
2: Mayor Michelle Wu gives hugs and gifts to the outgoing councilors during the final Boston City Council meeting of the year. But not everyone is feeling the love after the city disinvited the white councilors to a holiday party. Seven News obtained this email sent to all the city councilors Tuesday. It is from one of the mayor's staffers and reads, I cordially invite you and a guest to the Electeds of Color holiday party. But 15 minutes later, another email went out, that staffer clarifying, quote, I did send that to everyone by accident. I apologize if my
3: email may have offended. I think we've all been in a position at one point where an email went out and there was a mistake in the recipients, and so there was truly just um, an honest mistake. I do find it divisive, but, you know, what are you, you going to do about it? You don't want me at a party? I'm not going to come to the parties. Um, I
1: feel bad now. Guys, come on. Let them come to the party. <laughs> This is, this is rough, all right, this is rough. They, they planned a party just for the people of color, and then they accidentally invited the white people too, and then they uninvited them, like, it's a whole mess. And, and I'll be honest, this is actually a tough one for me. I understand where they're coming from, right? I, I've been to too many parties where one of my coworkers asks me if I know Seema Auntie from Indian Matchmaking. And I do, but like, that's not the point. And listen, white friends, I know what you're thinking, but your coworkers aren't excluding you from a party so that they can talk shit about you. That's what our WhatsApp group is for. (laughs) But be that as it may, okay, in this case, the invitations already went out to their white colleagues. Y'all, come on, at that point, it's too late. Your only option is to say the holiday party this year will center and honor the narratives of the BIPOC community and then nobody's gonna wanna come. On the fallout of the Boston Holiday Party Scandal, we go live on the scene to Troy Iwata. (laughs) Troy. Troy, don't identity-based parties like this hurt the feelings of the people they leave out?
3: You know, maybe, but I I wouldn't know, because I'm half Japanese and Jewish and gay, and I look kind of white, so I've never been excluded from a party in my life. (laughs) And I never will. Because that would be a hate crime. So, yeah, I go to them all. The American Jewish Council's annual Hanukkah Hobnob. The AAPI BYOB. The KKK Christmas Kegger. You go to the KKK holiday party? Okay, one word. Open bar that's free. That's four words. What's in that cup?
1: The point is, if you're going to exclude people from your holiday party, why announce it? Just like...
3: Meet quietly for drinks. That's what I did on my birthday. Oh, Cal, that's so, 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 so sad. (laughs) There's no point in having an exclusive party if everyone else doesn't know how exclusive the party is. Okay? Uh, uh, Denise, the woman who accidentally sent that email out, she did that on purpose. Like, oops, I guess you found out I'm attending a private soiree this weekend. How embarrassing. I see what Denise did. I love Denise. <laughs> but, dude, you still have to work with all those people. Like,
1: isn't it less awkward to just invite everybody?
3: No. No, f- frankly, the only reason to invite everyone is so you can stand in the corner and talk shit about your coworkers. A party is a lot more fun if you can be like, don't look now. But Keith brought his ex-wife as a date. Like, we don't know. Did God move on, Keith? Wait, focus, focus.
1: <laughs> Troy, leaving people out feels cruel to me.
3: Okay, well we can talk about that tonight at the Daily Show holiday party for gay and Asian on-camera talent. <laughs> it's called the G-A-A-O-C-T, the Gaut.
1: Wait, but, but that's just gonna be you and me. That's not a party.
3: That's like the perfect party. We don't have to remember anyone's names. I don't have to make a second tray of potato skins because someone's vegan this week. And we already know who our secret Santa is. I got you nothing, you have enough stuff. Plus, when we get tired, we can just Irish exit each other. Oh, I feel like the term Irish exit is offensive to Irish people. Okay, well, they're not invited. So, it's just us, Asian, gay, half-Jews. Uh, I'm not half-Jewish. Okay. Cal, I'm, I'm really sorry, but I'm, I'm gonna have to rescind your invitation. <laughs> this, is, this is just a very exclusive party. Sounds like it's just you at home alone. Yeah. Yeah, that's the ultimate party. <laughs> I'm just gonna... <sighs> I'm gonna order takeout and I'm gonna watch the holiday. Yeah, that's fair.
1: Troy want, everybody! So don't go
3: away.
1: Welcome back to The Daily Show. Let's talk about sex. It's it's the thing America makes its gym teachers explain for some reason. America's been legalizing a lot of vices. Weed, gambling, breakfast for dinner... But one activity is still relegated to the shadows sex work, which is weird because it's the oldest profession in the world, and Americans love old stuff. Just look at our presidential candidates. (laughs) But why is sex work still stigmatized in 2023? It's something I want to discuss in tonight's Long Story Short. Ever since the 1900s, sex work has been mostly illegal in the United States. And none of those laws have actually stopped it. Which makes sense, right? Usually banning something just makes you want it more. It's like when gay marriage was banned. It's the whole reason I'm with my husband. I'm not even gay, it's just spite. (laughs) What these laws have done is stigmatize sex work as dirty and immoral, pushing it further into the shadows of society. And that has made it one of the most dangerous professions in the country. It's even more dangerous, on average, than being a cop. And, like, you wouldn't think those jobs have anything in common, right? For one, sex workers only choke you if you ask them to. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) But there's one place in America where things aren't quite so dire for sex workers. Nevada. Nevada shows us that when you get sex work out of the shadows, it becomes something much less scandalous. A job.
3: Nevada, the only state where sex work is legal in some areas. There are about two dozen brothels across Nevada where sex workers have to pay taxes and get regular STD checks. A lot of people think that we're dirty, when in all actuality, I've been tested more than probably like 95% of the human population. And
2: just like any other business, there are safety regulations here. There are security cameras and panic buttons, which is a lot different than the outside world of illegal prostitution. The women here go through thorough background checks. Everybody working there is licensed, legal, verified, has cleared their STD and STI testing and have jumped through all the requisite hoops.
1: That's right. In Nevada, all sex workers have to get background checked, STD tested, they literally have to be licensed to smash. Which also happens to be my favorite James Bond movie. By the way, by the way, not once has Bond ever pulled out a condom. That's why they have to keep replacing him. He dies of syphilis. This is why we should want sex work to be regulated. Regulations keep sex workers safe from nearly every single job hazard except for the clients who just want to talk and then end up crying for an hour. Now, look, Nevada isn't perfect. They have issues with monopolies, licensing fees. They're in the desert, so sand gets all up in everything. But it has been the lone bright spot in America when it comes to regulating sex work, at least for now. Multiple states across the country are looking to decriminalize prostitution, and Maine just did it last summer. Although, it's Maine, so, you know, the prostitutes are lobsters, and you don't have sex with them, you just eat them. Come to think of it, I think I may have just gone to a lobster shack. Uh, Anyway, there's momentum to protect sex workers. Even some people who oppose prostitution say that we should leave sex workers alone and arrest clients instead although studies have shown that reducing client demand doesn't reduce the supply of sex workers. Remember, it takes two to Tango and three to Eiffel Tower. So long story short, this is not an easy issue to fix, and there's no agreement on how to do it. But what we do know is that sex work is not going away anytime soon. So let's find a solution that protects sex workers' safety and treats them with dignity. Because after giving out so many happy endings, it's about time they get one themselves. Taraji P. Henson will be joining me on the show. Don't go away.
4: Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit Lisa.com slash iHeart. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash iHeart.
1: Hey, welcome back to the show. My guest tonight is an Academy Award-nominated actor who stars in the new film, The Color Purple. Please welcome Taraji P. Henson. <laughs>
5: i that. This is... I love you. Thank you. I love you, too. See? That's what I'm talking about. That's what the world needs, more love. Thank you so much. Well, oh.
1: this is before you've seen the color purple.
0: <laughs> I mean...
1: Incredible! Uh, Thank you. I had the chance to see the film early. I know it comes out on Christmas Day. Yes. It's fantastic. I, I'm curious what your first experience with *The Color Purple* was. Was it the book? Was it the the, the earlier? Uh, It it was the
5: first film. I was 15 and I was just trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my future. And I started falling in love with acting. And, you know, a little girl coming from southeast D.C. I lived in the hood, you know, you know, I lived in the hood. And, you know, sometimes when you come from places like that, you your dreams are stifled. But I just remember seeing all of those black faces and I was like, I want to do that. I want to do that. And that's why representation is so important. Yeah.
1: And I want to I ask you about that. The, the film is incredible. It's about community. It's about women, especially black women. What was the vibe like on set with oh, a group like this? Oh, it was
5: so much fun. I mean... Like, the support that we gave each other, yeah. you know, um, I this is my first time really singing like this. And, um, you know, it's not something that I'm very confident in. I'm more confident in my acting than I am my singing. Singing is something I can do. I studied musical theater in college. But, I, you know, when I became pregnant, I kind of turned my back on... The music industry because it seemed a little dark to me. I was like, hey, they don't have a union. Who's protecting the artist? (laughs) So I packed my baby up and I moved west because I felt more secure with acting. I think I made the right choice. But, you know, we supported each other. Yeah. Like, this was Fantasia, Barino and um, uh, Danielle Brooks' first studio film. So where they felt like they were inadequate, I held their hands mm-hmm. as far as being their first feature film. And and for me, the singing. And so they held my hand. And it was just beautiful. Like, the sisterhood and the camaraderie that we had um, on the set is why you feel it so much coming through the screen. Because we really had a good time.
1: And you, uh, you were a huge Fantasia fan. Absolutely. From- American Idol, right? Yeah, I
5: still have calluses on my thumb from (laughs) voting voting for her.
1: Had you all met each other before this movie began?
5: I never met her before, but I lost my grandfather about 20 years ago, and he was a huge Fantasia fan. But I still have my grandma. She's turning 100 in April. Oh, wow.
1: Well... Grandma, she's Grandma. in good hands this evening. <laughs> sending her love. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so th- this is uh, this is a, a musical adaptation yes. uh, of *The Color Purple*, and I- I'm curious how. Uh, for, for you, how the music adds to the story.
5: Oh, my goodness. I mean, I think Scott Sanders um, is who we need to give the uh, credit to for that. He's the producer who was the first person to to um, to bring music even to the musical. And so he's the one of the producers on this and he's the pioneer of the musical musical. Uh, uh, that we have color purple. But I thought it was brilliant and I had to give him his credit. I was like, you know, because as black people, that's what we are. Yeah. Like, I, I I have, like, my little nephew. I remember one day the washing machine was on and it was making this kind of, like, percussion beat and he started dancing. And that's just <laughs> how we are. We, we will dance to, you know, we banjo. We, like, make sounds on our chest and we dance. And I just thought, wow, what an interesting concept to bring music to this, 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 mm-hmm. this beautiful piece of literature. And it just makes sense, because we are musical, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and what I love um, about this musical, and why we use musical, music, and how it's used in the film, is most times you sing a song when you don't have the words. When you can't find the words, you sing a song. And that's why it makes so much sense, because these characters are going through so much trauma. You know, and that's what we are as a people. We don't wallow in the muck. We don't let our trauma consume us. We dance, we sing, mm-hmm. we go to church, we laugh, you know.
1: I wanted to ask you about that. I know I, 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 The music was part of it, but then Blitz, your director, yes. also I wanted to ask you about. The, the, I, I feel like a lot of times when you see communities of color mm-hmm. in film, especially if something is a period piece, yes, um, and especially if it's through the lens of someone who is not from that community mm-hmm. you often end up just really focusing on, on the victim trauma. hit on the trauma yeah. and this was such a celebratory beautiful film especially when you're on screen singing <laughs> you just you bring so much joy with with every frame um, talk me through what it was like making those choices and then what the director's vision was cuz oh. that that was that was very affecting
5: Oh absolutely and for me I remember when I got the call my manager calls it's during the pandemic we had nothing going on we're sitting around talking heads on Zoom, and he calls and he's like, you know you're being tapped for Suge. I said, Suge what? And he was like, Suge Avery for The Color Purple. I said, oh, God, why are we... That's a classic. Leave it alone. (laughs) But then I met with Blitz, and for one, I knew I had to do it because I've, I've been a part of some incredible cinema that was about black people but was not told by black people so i knew for that moment for that alone i needed to be a part of it because i knew it would look different and when he started explaining his radical reimagining of it i was like oh my god i have to be a part of this this is literally who we are you know the trauma is there absolutely but we fight we have imagination and. When he said someone, you know, people who have been through trauma have often been labeled as docile and, you know, looking for help. But that's, that couldn't be farthest from the truth because what happens is they use imagination and they imagine themselves in better situations and better circumstances. When he explained that to me, I was like, I'm in. I'm in. I want to do this. <laughs> because I just knew it would look
1: different, yeah. you know. Um, I, I want to ask you about the foundation, the, the Boris Lawrence yes. Henson Foundation. It, it um, j- Just tell me about it. I read a little I, bit and I thought okay. it was fantastic.
5: So I'm very proud of the work I'm doing for black and brown and underserved communities in um, mental wellness. Because, you know, we're just learning to talk about it, guys. You know, we have been suffering and since slavery, we've been passing down dysfunctional ways of functioning. And it's time for us to heal. It's time for us to break generational curses, um and so when i was looking it it was all out of my own necessity because i'm raising a young man by myself and um thank you i wouldn't i wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy But, um, you know, becoming a young man and I'm not a man, you know, his father was murdered when he was nine and then my dad died two years after that. So what am I, you know, I, I uh, and so now the rose colored glasses are coming off and he's understanding that he's a black man in America, which is different from being a kid because he's not cute anymore. Um, it, it became difficult. And when it was time for me to look for help, I just didn't see anybody that looked like me. And I was like, what is wrong? So I called my best friend, Tracy Sheree Jade, who runs my foundation, my best friend since the seventh grade. And she used to suffer. Well, she has had her issues with um, panic attacks. And since we were kids and we used to laugh about it when we were children because we were ignorant we did not know. And the same thing that we used to laugh about, we cry about it today because now we have the information. And so when I, you know, I'm privileged. I can afford 350 dollars a pop, whatever it costs is for therapy. But then I just thought about an entire community that, one, doesn't even talk about it. Right. And two, don't have the resources or the money. And I just couldn't sit idle. I had to do something. And so that's when I birthed the
1: forest line. Bre- breaking down that stigma is yeah. so critical. Thank you for being that. You. Last question I want Ask you a, a little bit of a, a fellow actor nerd question. Yes. Um, uh, what was it like working with Oprah and Steven Spielberg on this?
5: Oh my God. I didn't see much of Steven Spielberg, but okay. I, what I will—I find this funny. My entire career on set, never knew Steven, never met him. I would always go hold my phone, and if Steven Spielberg calls, tell him I'll call him after this <laughs> tape. And finally, he called. <laughs> but I will never forget the first shot that we the first um scene that we shot was the very last scene of the film and that's everybody around that big oak tree and i remember that day oprah was there and everybody's like oh god oprah's here you better be on your best behavior <laughs> and so after they yelled it's a picture wrap for the day um we did the electric slide with oprah winfrey oh
1: that's, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> that's awesome not so many people can say that yeah is, is there <laughs> footage of this sure someone has it out there. (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you. Look, The Color Purple is in theaters on Christmas Day. Taraji P. Henson, everybody. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this. Thank you so much. Thank you so, so much.
2: Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's L E E S A dot com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.
1: Well, that's our show for tonight, and that's my time as guest host. And uh, if you're looking for the perfect holiday gift, then you can pick up a copy of my book or audiobook. You Can't Be Serious, wherever books are sold.
0: Explore more shows from the Daily Show Podcast universe by searching The Daily Show, wherever you get your podcasts. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and stream full episodes anytime on Fairmount Plus. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. <laughs> you sent off today.